Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Today, I have on a very special guest, a good friend of mine and a business colleague, Joanna Track, who is joining me. I'm excited, Joanna, by the way. I've been a customer of your businesses. I've been a fan of yours. <laughs> yeah, well, the feeling is mutual and I'm so excited. I feel like, yeah, we could spend the whole podcast talking about all the ways we're connected and the things we've done. We've worked in almost every capacity together. So this was the natural next step. I loved it. And um, you obviously had someone that came to mind when we were talking about the Best Boss Ever podcast. So just tell everybody where they can find you a little bit about you. And then I'm going to dive right into that big question. Sure. So yes, well, my current chapter is as founder and partner in a boutique content marketing agency called Good Eggs & Co. And we work with brands primarily small, medium businesses, which is what my passion is, helping them with all aspects of content marketing strategy and execution. And that is after a long history, 20 plus years of being an entrepreneur with a number of businesses under my belt, including sweetspot.ca and Elux and The Bullet. And so, yes, a lot of experience doing my own thing, but prior to that and a little bit in between have had a number of bosses Mm-hmm. Well, and as an entrepreneur, love it or not, we have many bosses. I think of that. I mean, my customer base is my, <laughs> that's who I answer to. So even if it's not in the same formal way that you think of corporate, you and I both know what it's like to work with a lot of different people and basically be trying to deliver. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're always answering to somebody. It's just, you know, a different type of relationship. Exactly. So I'm going to dive in with the question. Who is your best boss ever and why? Yeah, so my best boss ever, uh, absolutely no contest, was a gentleman named Guy, a guy named Guy. A guy named Guy. Who was my boss at Ogilvy, which was a large global ad agency that I worked for for about six years prior to jumping off and starting my entrepreneurial journey. And I used to always say then, well, especially after the fact that if I were to ever work for anyone or anywhere again, it was really the only place I would ever go because the experience was so great, both the organization and the boss that I had. That is amazing. That's a pretty big testament. So tell me more about this boss. Yeah. So one of the things that made Guy the best boss ever was something he did even before I worked there. So I was interviewing for jobs. I was looking to make a change. And I was working prior to that as a data analyst at the loyalty group, which is Air Miles. Okay. But I felt like I was underutilized. Like they weren't using my skill set at like the level, my abilities it just was kind of stagnant. So I was really looking to make a leap. And but it was hard to sort of right size myself from this job that I felt was like a little junior to my capabilities. And so I was interviewing for a bunch of jobs and I interviewed with Ogilvy and with a number of people, including Guy. And just the fact that he offered me this job, which, you know, most times, especially in advertising, you have to come already with the, like, you have to have done the job to get the job, but he didn't. 
he went on his feeling and what he felt I was a good fit and he saw the potential in me. And so he gave me that chance like to, you know, take the leap and try it. And I really think that's one of the many testaments to what makes a great boss. I think it's amazing when people can do just what you said. They can interview you. And instead of comparing it to a laundry list of things that you've already done, they can actually try to use their intuition, I guess, is probably the right word, their gut feel to see if they can take a chance on somebody. Exactly. And I mean, that is one of the many things I've taken with me in my career and as I've built my companies and how I've hired, because sometimes, yeah, someone might not tick all the boxes on the skill set checklist, but if you feel that they have the potential and they're a good fit and what we call in our world, a good egg, are they a good egg? then, you know, a good egg is malleable and you can teach people almost anything. But is this someone you want to work with every day and, you know, want to invest your time in because it's it's a two-way street? I love that. And so it sounds like during the interview process, right off the bat, he he was already betting on you and already seeing your potential. Give me some more um, stories and examples. Yeah. So then the next thing happened very shortly thereafter. So you know, when you start at a new job, I always call it the idiot phase. Like you don't know where anything is. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what to do. And you kind of sit around for a bit feeling unproductive and not useful because you just don't have a hang of things. And then you look back later and you laugh, but at the time, sure, learning something new. (laughs) Yeah. So I was at Ogilvy for about three weeks and they had assigned me, I was working on two accounts as like a mid level um, account management person, but I was pretty much sitting on my hands for a lot of the time because I was just waiting for more stuff. And then I started to get insecure and think, oh, I'm going to get fired. Like they don't have work for me and agency life, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows. So I was getting really insecure. And one day he called me and asked me to see me in his office. And now I was like, oh, I'm done. And also because, like I said, he gave me this job that I hadn't had the previous experience. And now I'm sitting there doing nothing. And I go in and he says, um, you know, we just received an RFP to pitch for FedEx Canada's direct marketing business. This is so I was in Ogilvy One, which was the direct marketing arm. So prior to the world of the days of Internet, this was, you know, direct mail, radio, all that. So they have received an RFP from FedEx. And he said, I'd like you to work with us on putting the pitch together. Okay, so now I'm working not just with him, because he actually wasn't even my direct boss. He was the managing director of Ogilvy One. So at the time, I wasn't reporting directly to him. So all this senior level management working on this pitch and me. So definitely by far the most junior person in the room by many years. And he just brought me into this pitch I think, I mean, this is a long time ago, but let's just say it was a two-week process of getting this pitch together. And then I just assumed, okay, great. They have what they need. They're going to go pitch it. And then he invited me to come, which also was exciting. And then the day before when they were doing like dress rehearsal, he said, okay, Joanna, so you're going to present this part. And he assigned me a part. And of course, I was so nervous. Yes. your level management at FedEx. And I've never done anything like this in my life. And I honestly remember going into the pitch being more nervous about the impression I was going to make on the senior team at Ogilvy, <laughs> the senior team at FedEx, because it was like all eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward, we won the business and I managed that account for so many years. 
And I mean, so many lessons were imparted on me from that experience. And one of the things that I always talk about, about what makes a great boss is putting, you know, your people center stage, not having a spotlight, letting other people, and also letting people stretch themselves, giving them enough, not throwing them off the deep end to drown, but giving them enough of a stretch with a safety net where they can shine, try something new, stretch their skills, learn more, and not feel the need to take the credit or steal the show, which unfortunately, I've had more bad bosses than good bosses. And the constant theme of the bad bosses are these inflated egos who take all the credit, who, you know, they push people down so they can be up. And Guy is was and still is the antithesis of that. He was happy to give me a chance. To elevate you despite where he should be sitting. And really quick, so when you did pitch, how did he think it went? I'm just kind of curious. Did he give you feedback after? Yeah, I mean, he thought I did a fabulous job. Um, but one of the other things actually that you just hinted at that I wanted to bring up was the way he gave feedback, not just at the pitch, but all through the years that I worked there. He's so thoughtful with his feedback. It was actually a joke in the agency because he's a British man and has got very much that like kind of absent-minded professor kind of aura to him. And if you went into his office, either just to ask him a question about something or say you were showing him a deck and he was going to give his feedback on it, he's so thoughtful that he would take these long pauses. He wouldn't say anything. And what felt like minutes going by, (laughs) everyone used to joke. They'd be like, do we interrupt him? Do we like, what do we do? Like, he's just quiet. But like, when you think about it, now that I'm more grown up and a leader, He's so not ahead of his time, but I mean, it's just what people don't do, but take the time. He wasn't worried about the, like, is this uncomfortable? He was so careful with his words and how he said stuff and really thought things through. And it really, I still think about it to this day, you know, when I'm in a hurry to like interrupt someone or jump in or, or react emotionally to something. I just like sit back and be like, can you take a breath? Can you take a pause? Can you allow silence for a few seconds, a minute, whatever it takes? It was pretty amazing. And then of course, everything he always said was so fair and balanced and not emotional. It sounds like he taught you how to be a good listener just through setting his example. Yeah, he definitely taught me that. And I always have said for many years that, you know, I I actually got my MBA but I said that I at Ogilvy, I got my PhD, not only in branding, but in leadership. I learned everything there that I have taken with me throughout the rest of my career. Amazing. So I'm just going to make space. Do you have any other? I mean, these are all such great stories. Anything else that you want to add about your experience with him? I mean, I would just say, I mean, that everything that went on was always consistent. Like it it never changed. It never wavered. Always giving opportunities, always hearing things out. Also, instead of having to ask for the raise, ask for the promotion, like they were so proactive, not only Guy, but it just felt that the energy there was, they recognized talent. They, you know, you weren't, you, you never wondered where you stood or, you know, what you needed to do differently. It was just... It was the most clear-cut, communicative environment. And another testament to that is that 20 plus years later, there are still, there are reunions of that, like 
cohort of people that worked there at that time. There are still people working there who were there at that time, but Guy has since retired. But, you know, we had a huge reunion. It was right before COVID and there was over a hundred people showed up. Wow. Which says a lot to go back to a company you worked at 20 years ago just to see everybody. Right. That goes to speak to the type of culture that it built and how tight knit you all became. Plus the thing that I always find so interesting is if you work for an amazing organization with great leaders, you can all go spiral off and do the careers you were meant to do and stay really connected, right? So how many times, I mean, the way you speak about Ogilvy is very passionate. Like what a great testament. You know, you're not a customer, you're somebody who worked there and you have such <laughs> high thoughts. That's that's not normal. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, no, I mean, and I've always said, if I wasn't an entrepreneur, it's probably the only place I would have wanted to work again. Yeah, that's amazing. So in my business, as you know, a lot of organizations love to ask the question, what is the return on investment for building up best bosses? I always kind of try to understand what is the impact to the business? And if you had to guess, just even being an entrepreneur, knowing the lessons you bring to your own organizations, like... What do you think the return on investment is? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it more than pays for itself because, you know, when you're a good leader and a good boss, then you train and mentor other people, not only in how to do the hard skills of their job or the technical skills, but the soft skills of how to manage situations, how to treat people and that continues to pay it forward. So one, you know, one would think that, you know, the ROI becomes up and up because, you know, I, you know, have imparted my lessons on people who then, you know, carry mm -hmm. it. I mean, you know, Samantha, who's my business right. now has worked for me for almost 18 years in one capacity or another. And now she went from being my intern 18 years ago, crazy to my business partner. And now we pass it on to all the people that work with us, a certain style of work. And so it continues to spread. And hopefully, you know, it's like an antidote to the bad bosses. <laughs> right, right. And that's why I'm so passionate about this topic, as I'm just convinced if we can somehow keep lobbying for not just acceptable leadership, but amazing leadership. Like when you explain your story about Guy, this is how I know it's a best boss story. Is it changed the way you behaved in the future for the better? Like you try to act like him in tough situations. So just the way you explained him being very quiet, being very mindful, listening, very thoughtful with his words. When we see somebody that we're really impressed by and we really look up to, that cements and impacts us. People um, actually joke all the time um, now that when they speak to Sam on the phone, if they don't see her, they said, I actually sometimes can't tell you two apart. You sound so much the same. And I don't think it's just like our tone. It's the the things we say. And so, you mm -hmm. know, I would guess that probably travels further beyond Sam and I and to all the other people that we work with. For sure. I mean, that's, and makes sense, right? And then, I mean, when you think of your not so good bosses, I heard ego, you know, I guess what is the impact to the bottom line on the not so good bosses? Turnover, which is very expensive less productivity and bad behavior, I think begets bad behavior. So, you know, if I beat up on you, then you beat up, everyone's trying to like, then it becomes a blame party who, you mm -hmm. know, 
um, as opposed to like rising up, it pushes everybody down. You know, I mean, I don't have the stats offhand, but you and I both know that, you know, companies that are run well, see better profits and the output speaks for itself. And especially, well, I was going to say, especially these days, but always people's mental health matters. No job, no amount of money in the world is worth being miserable all day, being stressed, feeling uncomfortable, feeling beat down and not appreciated. And I always say too, employment is a two-way street. Even though I may be paying you, it it goes both ways. You are not my my slave or anything like that. Right. You know, I always say like the difference between a good boss and a bad boss, a good boss treats their employees like comrades, not soldiers. Right. 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 You are together in it. And I'm asking you to do a task and I'm paying you for that task. And in return, I'm giving you an environment in which to do the task. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. The comrades versus soldiers, right? And it makes so much sense. But for some reason, I always say like the industrial age gave us this very hierarchical style of leadership. And what you're seeing is nobody wants it anymore. We're not doing well, jobs not that even working. require it. <laughs> Right. And also, yeah, I mean, people are just not standing for it. Um, There's, you know, there's a lot of competition. There's most people are now awake to the fact that, you know, there's something better out there. Right. Put up with it. Right. This is amazing. I am kind of curious. I know you're a very big advocate for female entrepreneurs, and I would just love to pick your brain for a few minutes. Like, what have you learned? What do you want people to hear about? Because you've gained a lot of wisdom in that space. I know that's something you're passionate about. Yeah, I'm extremely passionate. You know, our company right now, 90% of our client base is female-led businesses. So we have one or two clients that are led by men, but the rest are female-led entrepreneurs. And um, I think, you know, I sit on the board of directors of the forum mm-hmm. as female entrepreneur. So, yeah, I mean, from my own experiences of talking about paying it forward, I find it so critical to, to support this ecosystem. And I think the struggle, unfortunately, that female entrepreneurs still have is that discriminatory attitude towards, you know, not getting treated with the same seriousness. Uh, women, we still hold the bag on most of the household stuff, mm-hmm. you know, having to do that and run a company, you know, you wouldn't still to this day, people don't expect that much from a man. And as you and I both know, running a company is really bloody hard. <laughs> yes. um, it's taxing physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, and then layer on top of that being a woman, you know, less access to financial capital, less access to certain supports. And I do find often, you know, women, I want to say are better leaders, but unfortunately in my experience, my worst bosses were women. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it, you know, gets like egos threatened, all those kind of negative feelings. But I do find that where women can do better is they tend to communicate better. They tend Mm -hmm. to be more organized and organization, I think, is a critical part in being a good boss. Yes. Remembering where things were left, documenting things, all those things, like they, they translate into good leadership. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, what would be your biggest tip for anybody listening who wants to be a best boss ever, given everything that you shared today? So actually, it comes from one of my favorite quotes of all time of David Ogilvy, who has a book of incredible quotes and thoughts on not just advertising on leadership. And he always says, you know, hire people smarter than you, and then you'll have a company of giants. 
Nice. Because that relates to the taking out the ego, you know, focusing on the output and letting people shine. Amazing. Thank you so much, Joanna. Oh, it's my pleasure. This was so fun. If you want to hear more, join me at christineleperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.